0: Presented by T Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
1: And it's time to talk to Matthew Collar. Emergency Collar. I texted him yesterday and said, hey man, want to have you on. I know we typically do the Thursday thing, but let's get your reaction to what happened Sunday with the Vikings losing to the New York Giants, and he joins us now on the John Chuchakova Baker hotline. So I want to start with just something that, that I saw off of the Manning cast I was talking about to start the show, Matthew, and that it was interesting to see Peyton Manning say he didn't believe in adjustments. Like like he said, he said, halftime adjustments is overrated. People are talking all this stuff about halftime adjustments this, halftime adjustments that. He was like, you're not in there in enough time to really make any true halftime adjustments. You go in, you get a snack or whatever, yada, 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 you're in there a couple minutes, whatever, and then you're back out on the field and you're ready to to go. To to me, when I hear that, I I just think that if you just don't have the personnel and you don't have the talent, then the majority of the time, you're screwed when you're talking about looking at a deficit going into halftime.
2: Yeah, I think that it's a little different for every coaching staff and players. I mean, Peyton Manning in particular was basically the offensive coordinator himself.
1: Yeah, I called him a coach on the field. Yep, exactly.
2: Yeah, I mean, he was out there running no huddle, calling all of his own plays. Like, he's one of the most unique quarterbacks in history. The last two guys to call their own plays are Jim Kelly, Peyton Manning, and that's the whole list. Not even Tom Brady. I mean, everybody else is getting the call in the headset relaying it to the players, whatever else. So I think it's like mostly a coaching thing, but I don't think major adjustments as in they're like inventing new plays. um, Normally what they do is create a menu of plays going into the week. So let's say you have, I don't know, a couple hundred plays that you could possibly call and you've got ideas on what you want to use for your first 15 to 20 plays, what you might do to adjust if the defense does X, Y, and Z. And defense is absolutely have to adjust because they're going to see how the offense is playing their game plan. And at halftime, they're going to look over what they did as far as their coverages and their rushes. And they're going to talk about that um, in the few minutes that you get. Okay, what is our plan in the second half? How do we want to change that? And there are some defenses that even have a design to sort of show something early. And this actually happened against Chicago with the Vikings this year, where they showed something early and then they completely changed it for what coverages they were using. And it kind of threw the Vikings off in the third quarter of that game. Um, so I think that there's always that back and forth going on, but for somebody like Peyton Manning, I, I just think that all of his adjustments were always made right there at the line of scrimmage. So they didn't have to like get, have a big meeting or anything like that, but it is fast. I mean, you know, Ludacris the other day, he got out there, he sung like two songs, and then that was it. Everybody was back <laughs> and playing. So there's not a lot of time. But I think what they can do is they can look at kind of like, here's, here's option A for our game plan. If it's working, we keep doing it. And here's option B. And usually the players know it. And every once in a while, the offensive coordinator or something pulls out some play that they only practice once in OTAs, and the guys have to know it because you have to be smart and dedicated to be an NFL player. And sometimes that happens, and you'll hear that story. Um, but a lot of times, it is just like here's game plan A, A and B, and they can make some adaptations on the fly.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Well, speaking of what happened on Sunday, uh, whatever adjustments that we wanted to to get done or get accomplished to try to secure the victory, it didn't happen for the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday. Uh, Let's start with just the the offensive approach. What did did you make of the offensive approach that the Vikings had in terms of the play calling and what they were able to get accomplished or not get accomplished versus a very tough Giants defense that me and you have both said multiple times this year is better than what people give them credit for?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, on the offensive side, they barely touched the football in the first half, and that was really difficult for them. Um, because you know, the 11-minute drive from the Giants, which might be the longest I've ever seen one offense on the field in all of my time covering football. I don't know if I've ever seen a team. I, I asked uh, Judd Zolget, who sits next to me in the press box, I was like, did you write down, because he writes down every play because he's a weirdo, and I was like, did, did you write down when this drive started? And he was like, oh, yeah, 14 minutes left in the second quarter. I was like, what? There's three minutes left. <laughs> like How did this happen? So that's hard. To get an offensive game plan going when the other team has an entire quarter with the football, and I, I think that that hurt them, and it hurt their overall production, and it hurt their rhythm at times. But you no, know, I thought that their counterpunch to the Giants playing a very different defense than they usually play—they actually did not blitz all the time. They played different coverages than they usually play, which was a really interesting wrinkle by Wink Martindale and they did the thing that everyone's going to do every week from now on for the rest of Justin Jefferson's career, which is they're going to have their number one corner press him, and they're going to put a safety over the top, but the Vikings had a great counterpunch in the passing game, and that was TJ Hawkinson, and I thought that they came up with big plays when they needed them for the most part. I thought they threw the ball pretty well, and even though Dexter Lawrence was absolutely demolishing the interior of the offensive line, Kirk Cousins made some plays under pressure. It's, just unfortunate that it came down to that one drive where they needed it. And they've gotten it so many times this year and they couldn't pull it off. And that's going to be the lasting memory is how bad the defense was. that They couldn't get a stop. And then that fourth and eight where he throws for three yards, but I thought overall it was a good offensive performance. And just to add one more thing, it is time for the Vikings to move on from Delvin cook. It's over. He's cooked. It's done. Because when you looked at the rushing yards, that he was expected to get statistically based on the space and the blocking. This is one of the next gen stats versus what he did. He had the worst day of any running back in the NFL uh, during the wild card weekend. It's over. It's time. I think that really hurt them and they probably should have used Alexander Madison quite a bit more. I think if there's any regret, it should be that.
1: Yeah. We're talking to Matthew Collar, purple insider here on the Lake show on news talk, A three WCCO. Give him a follow at Matthew Collar on Twitter, and go to PurpleInsider.com. All right, so which gets to my next thing that I wanted to ask you about, uh, the big names, uh, the guys that we don't know if they're going to be back because of contract situations and big money paid out and all this other stuff. Dalvin Cook is absolutely one of them. Adam Thielen clearly at the top of the list as well. Harrison Smith, how do you – Of the players that we saw play on Sunday and have played with the Vikings, have made their name with the Minnesota Vikings, which players do you not expect back?
2: Yeah, I think that there's a couple that are very hard calls and I'm not really sure of because their contracts, like Harrison Smith and Adam Thielen, where their contracts make it not that favorable to just move on. But Delvin Cook and Eric Hendricks should be lock of the century to not be here I sort of just laid it out with Delvin Cook. I thought he had a tremendously bad season outside of a couple of good plays here or there, Um, you know, with uh, Eric Hendricks, the same thing. I I thought it was a – whether it's his fault or not, I don't know, but it was a horrible season for Eric Hendricks in comparison to the all-pro standard that he set. And, look, I was watching him specifically during that game, and I thought this is not the way that Eric Hendricks should be used, that Eric Hendricks dropping back into deep zones and things like that. That's a guy – that chases down tight ends and running backs, plays man coverage. That's what he's best at. And he's even a pretty darn successful blitzer. And they had him basically playing this zone coverage where he's just dropping back all the time. And I don't think that that really fit him, as well as a lot of other linebackers maybe in this system. So he's not a good fit for how at least Kevin O'Connell wants to play, no matter who is running it as far as the defensive coordinator. But they seem to want that Fangio-style defense, and I don't think he's a very good fit at all. So those guys are the major ones. But then, you know, Patrick Peterson is a free agent, and I really can't see him signing back here. Um, I think he loved Minnesota and loved this team, but he knows it's going to be a very different team next year, and I I would guess he's going to championship chase, as he should, after a great season. The one that's a little bit like, there's other ones that really depend on how gutsy Quacey adolfo wants to be and how much he's allowed to be. Like, would you trade the Neil Hunter for a first-round pick if you could? I mean, you have to think about it if you're rebuilding this thing, right? Even though he had a very good season, you've got to think about it. Um, so there's a there's a lot up in the air for this team, and it could look very different. And there are many faces that have been here a long time that probably won't be as long as ownership is allowing them to kind of retool this thing or maybe even completely rebuild a lot of it.
1: Well, the, you brought up something in terms of like talking about Daniil Hunter and, and trading him for first round pick and all of that. Do we agree on this that, look, we, we talk oftentimes about elite teams and really good teams and, and contenders and pretenders and all this other stuff, whatever, right? But then you've got teams that have a window to win a, a Super Bowl. And we know that like right now the Kansas City Chiefs, they have a window. Buffalo, they have a window. Uh, we're not in any window, right? We, we agree on that, right? The, the Vikings are not one of those those type of teams that you say is top – you know, whatever, even though they're a playoff team and they were the three C, but they're not they don't have a window of winning a championship, right?
2: A hundred percent. That if that window was open, and I, I mean I think it was with the thirteen win season, uh, when Kirk Cousins checked down on fourth and eighth, that window slammed shut. I mean there's you look at their salary cap situation, you look at the draft capital and they traded a second round pick for TJ Hawkinson, who's very good, uh, but it's never getting better than what it just was. I mean, there's just so much work to be done. It's like, and if, you know, the defense was bad, and you would think, well, how could it get worse? Well, but it can stay bad. It's been bad for three years now, and the path to it getting better usually takes a lot of money or successful draft picks. Show me where either one of those things are. They don't have them. They don't have the resources to make this thing better than it was this year. And, oh, by the way, guess who you play next year? Kansas city, probably Buffalo. Cause I think they have a first, uh, I haven't checked the oppo- the opponents, maybe they released them, but they have a first place schedule. So you're going to play a harder schedule. Mm. They had great injury luck this year. They had great one score luck this year. And it's, you know, they, they have to transition at some point to younger players because the older players are just worn down as happens in all NFL history. Um, and it all kind of ties back to the quarterback and, what they're going to do with Kirk Cousins and all those things, which is why I say it's like, how bold do you want to be? Do you want to wait like other teams have until it actually smacks you in the face? Like Seattle, they had to wait for a bad season. Atlanta, they had to wait for a couple bad seasons before they could finally make the move that everybody knew they had to make. Can the Vikings be a little progressive here and jump in front of this? Or are they just going to wait for a seven-win season next year and then go, oh, yeah, I guess we should draft a quarterback? Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I really am interested to see that because I think that this was the year, this was the one shot, probably in Kirk Cousins' entire career, this was the one shot he was going to have. And it came up short because of a horrible defensive performance. And, was, you know, there's not a whole lot you can do. Like, just winning 13 games does not guarantee that, you know, the next year you're going to be better, especially when you have no resources to rebuild it.
1: All right, last thing for you. I'm a little bit – well, I, I don't say – uh, I'm not frustrated. I'm, I'm a little bit confused, though. What do you think is going to happen with Donatel as a defense, defensive coordinator? Because I'm not certain he's about to get fired because when you think that they would have announced that they're going to move on by now or something?
2: Yeah, I think what's going to happen is, um, and you can decide whether this is good or not, <laughs> a good idea or not. If I had to guess, I would say that Kevin O'Connell's going to talk tomorrow, and then later on in the evening after he's talked, which will be the last time he talks for a long time, they'll announce that Donatel's been let go. So no one has to talk about it. That's my guess.
1: Mm, but
2: okay. I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I just see, I see no universe where they can bring the guy back. I just like, what is the argument? I mean, even if you would, were to say, oh, we're going to get players that fit our system better. Like the system was horrendous. There yep. were players running wide open all season long. I it just, to me, I know that they want to be the collaboration, communication, kumbaya team, but I thought that Kevin O'Connell probably needed to step up and do something about this defense midway through the season, and it got him, the fact that he didn't.
1: Yeah, Matthew, man, it's been awesome to have you on the, uh, the show this year, and, and quite honestly, if you want to continue to hang out with us weekly here on the show during the course of the, uh, the postseason run, we'd be uh, happy to have you.